What's up, class? This is Optimus Fields at My Living Truth, and we're back for another episode. We're at block height 674080 and the current price is $56,027. Nick, trying to introduce our guests. Hey, what's up, everyone? This is Nick here, and our new co-host, Justifer, is doing a primer for Bitcoiners on cryptographic hashes. He is kind of like our in-house technical guru. So this stuff may be a little above me and Optimus's pay grade. So we're really appreciative of uh, having Justifer here to explain this for us. So Justifer, thanks for coming on and doing this. Hey, it's my pleasure. Um, so yeah, we're, we're just gonna, this might get a little technical. We're going to get a little mathy um, and uh, you know, Feel free to, to ask questions, but uh, you know, I'm not a mathematician, so um, I'm, I'm going to have to say I don't know for some of these things. But without further ado, uh, this is cryptographic hashes, a primer for Bitcoiners. So uh, first off, just what are cryptographic hashes? Um, so I, you know, grab from Wikipedia, a, a mathematical algorithm that maps data of arbitrary size to a bit array of a fixed size. I mean, okay, that's a super complex definition, but in simple terms, um, it just it's math that turns input data into a string that is always uh, comes out the same length, and it's gonna it's gonna move that around in a you know programmatic way. So the most common one for for Bitcoin is SHA-256, and so we'll talk about those hashes. So first off, SHA, it stands for Secure Hash Algorithm. And the inputs to this, this algorithm can be anything. It could be software, a Bitcoin block, another hash, um, a potato, uh, whatever. Um, and then the output is 256 bits long. And when we're talking about bits, we're talking about zeros and ones. So when we look at all of the numbers that the output could be, it could be a unique combination of zeros and ones. And we've got 256 of those. So all of the out, uh, the potential outputs are two raised to the 256 power. And that's a massive number. So that's around 10 to the 77th power. And the amount of atoms in the observable universe is between 10 to the 78th power and 10 raised to the 82nd power. Another property of this is that it's deterministic. And when we say that, it means that uh, if we give it an input in uh, you know, one time, and then we give it that same input a second time, the output will always be the same. Uh, so it doesn't matter when you're giving it this input, but the same input will yield the same output. It will be consistent. 
And so like more generally, when we're uh, picking a hash function, uh, we're going to look for a couple of desirable math properties that, that do this. So the first one is one-wayness, which is also called pre-image resistance. And that says it's infeasible to find any x, you know, given y, where the hash of x gives you y. So it's saying if you're given the hash output, it's infeasible to find the input to that. Uh, so you're just going to have to, so in order to solve a hash function, you basically just have to brute force it. You have to just try numbers, try and run them through a hash and see if you get that, that output. The second property is collision resistance. And so in math terms, that's H of X will never equal H of X prime where X is not equal to X prime. Okay, so that means, so in, in English, that means no two unique inputs will generate the same hash output. So, so for like, for Bitcoiners, like if we've got a transaction in a block and one piece of that changes, uh, the, the hash will, will be completely different. And so if, if we change something in the transaction and we actually got the same hash, that would be called a a collision. Okay, so next uh, is target collision resistance, and this is a, this is a weaker requirement than collision resistance. So, given an input, it's infeasible to find an x prime that collides with h of x, where x is not equal to x prime. So, simple terms, it's infeasible to find another input that gives the same hash as a, an input that we, that we already know. So it's like find another block um, of transactions that actually give you the same answer as what we already found. Okay, two more properties, uh, pseudo random. The output uh, just looks like a random set of numbers. So it's indistinguishable from true randomness. And then the last one is non-malleability. So it's infeasible, in math terms, infeasible given h of x or the hash of x to produce the hash of x prime where x and x prime are related. So uh, an example of that would be like, okay, so we, we've got this input and we just add one to that input and see if we can uh, figure out a relationship. So. In English, that means there isn't a pattern that could be used to shortcut this algorithm. So, we, yeah, we can't use any uh, kind of like heuristics to just narrow down uh, anything from uh, there, there's no ability to like narrow the search down from this massive number set that's like the amount of atoms in the observable universe. Okay, so. We've got all these places that hashes are used all the time. So the first one is password storage. So some people, uh, so like websites, for example, might store a hash of you know your username and your password instead of storing your username and your password in some database that could get hacked. Because if that database gets hacked, then you know your username and your password are exposed. 
So instead, what what folks do is uh, is they just store the the hashes, and so that's that's safe. So then, when you go to enter your username or password again, um, you can just match that the hash of those to uh, to the the stored hash that you have. Uh, the next uh, place is digital signatures. Um, I don't know a ton about this, so I'm just kind of going to breeze over that. But uh, we we do use hashes for digital signatures. Uh, another one is checksums, and after this presentation, uh, we're going to show using hashes to verify a checksum, and we use that to kind of detect any tampering or if anyone has introduced any know, special code into software we might want to run. And then the last uh, place that hashes are used is Bitcoin mining. We use tons of SHA-256 hashes. So the next question is, can SHA-256 be broken? And one important thing that isn't going to change is that computers require energy to brute force a one-way function. So they're just going to uh, the that knowing that fact, computers require energy, you know, gives us um, some some comfort around uh, using SHA-256. And so I'm I'm pulling from a three blue one brown video, which was it gives fantastic illustrations of this. But so in in this scenario, um, we're just going to take like a really great uh, graph uh, graphics processing unit, so GPUs. Um, like early days, GPU mining was uh, pretty profitable for Bitcoin. So a, a great GPU can compute 1 billion hashes per second. And so let's uh, assume that you have like four of those on your computer. Now let's get 4 billion of those computers all together. And that it's going to make a, a computer that's about a thousand times more powerful than Google. And so we'll call that a kilo Google. And let's give those to those kilo Googles to 4 billion people on Earth. And so it's just going to be a, a whole Earth of kilo Googles. And then you take 4 billion Milky Way galaxies, where 1% of the stars have uh, kilo Google Earths. And then we need 4 billion copies of that galaxy. And that whole system would need to be guessing for 37 times the age of the universe. And that would yield a one in 4 billion chance of guessing the correct answer. So it is ridiculously difficult to break SHA-256 security. As uh, I'm going to read a Satoshi Nakamoto quote, SHA-256 is very strong. It's not like the incremental step from MD5 to SHA-1 it can last several decades unless there's some massive breakthrough attack. If SHA-256 became completely broken, I think we could come to some agreement about what the honest blockchain was before the trouble started, lock that in, and continue from there with a new hash function. So uh, some resources for further learning. Uh, there's two 3Blue, 1Brown videos on cryptocurrencies in general. Um, but, uh, you know, focusing mainly on Bitcoin, uh, and then on 256 bit security, which I mentioned before, 
there's some fantastic uh, math videos out there about this. Uh, so shy algorithms uh, done by computer file and MIT has a series of lectures on cryptographic hash functions, which are so awesome. And without further ado, let's, uh, let's go ahead and do a quick demo of running a hash. So, you know, before this, I downloaded um, a copy of Bitcoin Core. And so I, I downloaded it before this presentation. And I also um, grabbed the, the release signatures. So that's, uh, I downloaded that file and I'm going to, it gave me this file called SHA-256-SUMS. So I'm going to open this up in Notepad to be able to see the hash outputs. So uh, I like to use this, uh, this program called QuickHash. It's very simple, it's free, and it's uh, available cross-platform. And so, you know, I can type in anything I want here uh, to just run a hash of it. And it's going to give me the output uh, down here. So uh, give me something to hash. Uh, how about browns? There. So we hash browns. And this is the hash output right here. So I can uh, clear all that. And we can verify our copy of Bitcoin Core that I downloaded. So I'm going to go over to the File tab and just drag over this Bitcoin Core. And it generated the hash uh, for this file. And I'll be able to compare that. So I've got the, let's see, win64setup.exe. So I can go to this line and I can see, here we go. I'll copy that and paste it into the expected hash value. And I get confirmation that it matches the computed file hash. hash. So that's uh, fantastic. So now, because, uh, let, let's see, the developer ran a hash of this, uh, saying, you know, this is all the code that I meant to be included in this. Um, and no code has been added. We just confirmed because we ran the hash and the, and the input had not changed. And so we're using that deterministic property saying that for the same input, we'll generate the same output. Great. Uh, so that's, uh, that's my presentation. And thanks so much for tuning in. Uh, any questions? Yep. Can you hear me? Yeah, yeah sure, hit me with it. Um, with the verifying of the signature, uh, you're saying that, so you, you went in, you, you, um, highlighted one line in a big array of numbers and letters right there. And, uh, I would not know to look for that one line. Um, so first off, how do you know to look for that one line to see if that's the one you're going to put into your, um, that other program? Uh, the other thing is out of that big, long signature, that those, I see one up high with some information to the right of that and one below it. I can't tell if they're the same on the little screen I'm looking at, but uh, <clears throat> how do you know that what's on this page is a true representation of the code you're about to download? Because couldn't 
the code be totally different than what this signature is verifying to it being? Yeah, that's a that's a good point. So um, to answer that first question, uh, the the file name, you know, for so this uh, this section says these are the hashes, and they're SHA two fifty six hashes. There's a whole bunch of different types of hashes that we could do, but this string is the SHA two fifty six of this file. So oh, each thing to the right. Okay, the yeah. things to the right are the the string to the left represents the thing to the right that's more right. human so I, readable. I downloaded the the Windows version, and this is the file. Ah. I got and so it. this is the hash of it. All right, so that's the one you're looking for. But again, now take it a step further, and how do you know that really does represent the hash of the of the entire file that you're about to download and start to run on your computer? Uh, yeah. Uh, so I think best wait, 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 wait. Let me let me put phrase mm -hmm. it another way. Not only how do you know it's the the right software, which is you're hoping it's Bitcoin Core software, uncorrupted, unmalicious the one that you've heard everybody in the world say the one that you need, right? This thing called Bitcoin Core, right? So you want that, you're looking for that, and you're hoping this is it, and you're verifying some signature that, you know, how do you know it's the right signature from the right person? How do you know it matches the file? And how do you know that what's in the file is really Bitcoin Core that isn't going to, you know, do something bad? Yeah, that's a, that's a good point. So... Um... Me running this test, I'm I'm going to the the official website. Um, so I've got Bitcoin.org, and I've got the release signatures here. Now, um, okay. So uh, let me stop you, like, if you don't mind. I yeah. I get it. So you're you're assuming that your computer is not redirected to somewhere else. That this only place in the world that has the website Bitcoin. Uh, .org is the place that everybody on the in the world knows you can get this file from. So I get it. So you're trusting that to be correct. Your browser took you to the right website. And then you're going to say, okay, well, if I'm at the right website, then this has to be the right signature. Otherwise, it wouldn't be here, right? So, so you're starting out trusting the website your browser took you to, assuming there's nothing malicious going on there, which 99.9% .9 of the time it, there wouldn't be. Uh, am I... No. Uh, do I follow you fair enough at this point? Because we're not supposed to trust anything. We're supposed to verify, but there's right. always yeah. some trust somewhere. So, yeah, let's let's uh, try and re reduce that amount of trust. So sure. what, what I should, uh, if someone was tampering with this code, they would tamper with the file that I'm downloading, and then they would have to uh, tamper with this release signatures. Yeah, so, that's I mean, what I'm getting at. That's what I'm trying to hacked, yeah, if someone hacks Bitcoin.org, I mean, one, that's a huge feat. And then two, uh, I think it's natural to, to hack both of those things now and and change that. However, but wouldn't it, uh, if it could get hacked, it would be noticed in minutes because somebody's always looking at this website. The people that are in charge of it are people like yourself that are using it. So it would be found out very quickly that it got hacked, wouldn't it? Yes. If it was even and possible. So let's introduce a best practice into that. Um, let's go to it. We should go to a different website that that uh, separately stores those release signatures. So uh, oh, I've heard of that. Yes. A, so now you're double checking. Yeah, yeah. yeah, they, they would have to. to they website. would have to hack that as well. Yeah, that makes it better. 
That's what's good about Bitcoin. See, smart people figured out all the ways that you don't need to trust too, mon too many things for real. So sure, you're going to trust this, but you can say, okay, but I'm only going to trust this if I also add the other thing, which I also have to be able to trust that. But together, the chances, like you just said, of them both getting hacked, right at the time when you're trying to, like, you're the one guy who <laughs> timed it wrong right after it got hacked before the whole world noticed and they shut everything down or whatever. You know what I mean? Like, this is, this. I'm, I'm asking these questions, not because I'm trying to give you a hard time, because I'm, I'm wanting to make sure I understand what the hell's been built here by a bunch of humans that we're all That's participating in. Throw into like um, the real way you want to protect yourself from like being attacked is you'd want to verify this actual signature because you verified this hash, you never actually verified the signature. So you mm -hmm. would verify that this signature has you know um, the Bitcoin Core maintainer like Vladimir's correct signature, and then um, and then so then he would have to lie to you to um, attack you. Right. Yeah. So. Since this presentation was on hashes, I didn't go into the PGP signature, but that's a, another way that you could actually verify the integrity of a file or at least have that developer signature on there. So that's a great point. Would you also be verifying that signature at a couple other locations so that it's, you know, you're, you're reducing the trust it, factor? Well, you'd, want, you'd have to verify that the key that is signing this is actually his key. So you either want to like meet him in person and get the key or um, luckily PGP supports something where you can sign other people's key. So like personally, I've signed Vladimir's key, like, you know, big developers like Peter Wola have signed Vladimir's key. So you could download this key and be like, oh, look, it has like these, all these signatures from all these big names that I validated before. So you can say like, okay, this is actually Vladimir's key that signed this. Got you. And that, so now you're creating a web of trust where everybody would need to be compromised for it to be something that you would have to worry about. But this is, again, this is where I've heard of different, uh, different aspects of what you guys are, are teaching tonight. And I'm sort of checking my own understanding, my own memory. And I appreciate you guys, bring, you know, reminding us about how all this stuff fits together and how a system has been created for people to, I, I often tell people when they're starting out, I go, look, it's open source code. If you don't know how to read code, go take a class. You don't have to trust anybody. You could just read it, learn what it does, read it yourself, download, compile it. You don't ever have to trust anybody because you could, you know, because it was built that way. And this is a way where somebody like me can still download the code, not knowing how it even works, but verify a bunch of things and at least know I'm getting the right code and then be able to feel like I'm in the same trusted Bitcoin network the one that the world is talking about right now where the price of a Bitcoin is 56,000. So yeah, uh, this is awesome. I, great presentation. Thank you for entertaining all my questions. Uh, continue. My, my pleasure. <laughs> uh, any other questions? Let's see. One last piece that I did want to mention is, you know, since, since we went through all these different properties, uh, Bitcoin isn't stuck on SHA-256 hashing. So if it if it were ever broken, we could go shopping for uh, another hashing algorithm, maybe SHA-3, that you could give us these properties. So uh, we're not you know stuck on anything. And since we when since we have these kind of fundamentals, we would be able to to pick another technology that would work for our purposes to make digital money.
that is uncensorable. Beautiful. If we accomplish that, Bitcoin is definitely unstoppable. <laughs> Let's go. All right, guys. Well, thank you, Jester. Um, Nick, you got any last words or? Um, not really. Thank you, Jester. That was a great presentation, and thank you for asking those questions, Jim. They they're very good, and uh, yeah, I'm ready for teachers' lounge. All right, for sure. Well, thanks for coming out, guys, and also shout out to Ben, Ben the Carman, our 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 second resident uh, technical guy to make sure we are on track. So, uh, yeah, this will be episode 70, and stay tuned for Teacher's Lounge.